Welcome to the Boyd Meets World podcast. I'm joined again this week by Sports Talk Phillies' Josh Liddick. Josh and I's paths keep crossing, and this time uh, Markel Fultz, UW product, is back and healthy for the Sixers. And the Sixers might be the scariest team in the NBA. We talked about what makes the Sixers so dangerous in their playoff destiny this year. Enjoy it. It's kind of crazy that uh, how many times our, our paths have crossed as sports fans this year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we started with the uh, the UW Penn State game. Um, started talking yep. about Fultz back then, and at that point it was a little weird. And then we talked again late January about the Super Bowl. Brought up Fultz again. Still weird, even weirder at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And now here we are talking a little bit of Fultz and also just uh, Sixers in general here. So joining me is is Josh Liddick from Sports Talk Philly. Josh, how you doing? Doing great, man. It's uh, great to be back. Uh, like you said, three. Uh, this is our third time together on your podcast, and I feel like uh, you know, it's. I don't know. I, I feel like at first when you when you first had me on for the Penn State thing, it was like, oh, you know, this is a one time thing. Sure, but now yeah. we're doing this like every time now. So every time we have something big going on, and especially in Philly sports land, like it's huge right now. It's just like it's every sports playing right now. So yeah, we'll be talking Phillies in a couple months at the rate we're going. So uh, <laughs> definitely, have, definitely having to connect down there. Um, yeah, it was, it's been crazy to to just kind of have this this much attention come to Philly. It's kind of um, I don't know. You feel like it's a lot of like the little brother between Boston and New York, um, you know, stepchilds and even DC on the East coast. But right now, I mean, what is the, the, the pulse of the city? I mean, as people off of the, the, the telephone poles by now, and they can actually get on the ground and make it to a Sixers game or are they still, still up there? Yeah, well, I mean, the euphoria is still there. Um, you know, with the six, uh, with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, it never kind of changed. I think the mentality of Philly fans is probably the same. It's the the the, the high that we're riding right now is so huge. Um, it, with the, they went from being the city of underdogs to being the city of champions, and you know that that's the mentality that we've had in the last you know three months. Uh, two months with the with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, which no one thought was possible, um, and then you know Villanova, which is not technically a Philly school, but they did win the uh, the national championship for March mm-hmm. Madness, uh, which you know just a couple weeks ago, um, and that kind of propelled into this you know Sixers who have been so successful all season long. You know they had a little bit of a lull back in December. Um, where they weren't really winning games. They were out of the playoff hunt, and then they kind of worked their way back in and got some winning streaks going. And now we're here, you know, the the single-season record 15 straight wins for the Sixers as of this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. We're recording right before they play Milwaukee in the final game of the season. Um, and then, you know, with the Flyers, you know, the last day they get into the playoffs. Uh, Didn't even know and, that. And yeah, so the very final day was possible the the flyers finally found a way in oh that's um, right they're, they're playing the penguins right yeah they play uh as we're recording tonight so they play tonight as well uh, so. against the penguins so yeah i mean it's it's huge uh the that that feeling of you know we're the best city right now is definitely still there um i was just in philadelphia on sunday for the sixers game against the uh the mavericks and uh you know with the phillies starting up as well um even though it's not 
really there because of you know the Gabe Kapler experiment that's <laughs> going on right now. Yeah. Um, you know, you can definitely feel it. There's a different air. Uh, feeling in the air than we're used to in terms of you know how excited we are about our sports now it's like every team can be in the playoffs and I think that is something that uh, we're just a year ago definitely wasn't possible yeah things are things are looking up for sure it doesn't look like Nova's going anywhere or or the Sixers or or the Eagles anytime soon so you were at the you were at the Mavs game uh, over the weekend when was your last Sixers game in person before then uh, it was just a couple weeks before that I saw them okay. play the uh, who did they play that night oh the, the Nets uh, which was a win yeah uh, w- but that was actually when they played the Nets I think that was the second game of the winning streak I think you're um, right. so it wasn't re- it wasn't really a winning streak yet uh, the the day before that they played the Knicks and they almost lost um, on the road mm-hmm. I think uh, they were at Madison Square Garden. They almost lost that game. And then they played the Nets, the game we went to, and they almost lost that game too. Uh, but they figured out a way to win that one. And then two games before that, they played the, the Pacers, uh, who they had lo- who they lost to, which snapped the uh, the streak at home. They had won like 17 straight games or something like that at the Wells Fargo Center. They've only lost once in 2018 at home. So. Wow. Uh, that's something that's pretty impressive. So how would you compare the energy level in Wells Fargo for that Nets game versus the Mavs game? Because just, just from afar, it feels like the city has just exploded. And, and with all the all the confluence of things of, of Fultz coming back and, and the winning streak kind of you know becoming more than just a couple games and really turning into a double-digit thing, uh, I got to think that those are two kind of different environments when you go from, oh, this is nice, to, oh, my God, we might be the best team in the East. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I, I think that with the Nets game, it was a little bit different because, um, you know, definitely that feeling that we're really good was definitely there because we felt that a lot this season. But with Embiid playing, um, you know, you know, I, I said this to my my girlfriend who took me to the game on on Sunday. I, I, I told her, you know, this is a different team. This is a different city. This is a different feeling when you're at the center when Embiid's playing compared to when he's not. He adds that whole other element, like, that's not there. Like, of course, like, the Sixers, they can definitely win without Embiid. Like, they've shown that. They're undefeated without Embiid on the court since he went down with that orbital injury. Um, but, you know, they, they need him out there for that kind of feeling of, you know, he he puts the fans in there at a whole nother level. He puts the team up there at a, at a whole nother level. Um, he is, like, that rock um, you know, on defense and on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that the, the, the kind of fan, the way that the frenzy was, I think it's, you know, when Embiid's playing, it's definitely up there. He hypes up the crowd. Uh, and when he's not out there, it's, it's still like, a, it's definitely an awesome atmosphere, but I think it, it elevates it when he's in the game. And that's now, that's kind of what we've been missing the last couple of weeks. Uh, and hopefully when the playoffs start up, I know Brett Brown said that, um, uh, Embiid is unlikely to play game one, which would be Saturday against mm-hmm. whoever they end up playing right. um, at home. Um, but, you know, hopefully by game two, we'll see Embiid in there and we'll see that uh, Well, that playoff atmosphere is definitely going to be there for game one. But Embiid just brings it up a whole nother uh, notch. Yeah, I mean, as much as J.J. Reddick can try with a, a three point 
celebration. It's just it's not the same as as what Embiid brings, um, both during the game and then with the the subsequent Instagram post afterwards. Yeah, uh, yeah. So his energy level is definitely missed, um, but they're still winning. I mean, fifteen in a row is fifteen in a row. Uh, eight of which have come without without Joel Embiid. I got to ask because I was listening to a podcast, uh, uh, the Ringer NBA show the other day, and they're talking. Mm-hmm. They, they brought in one of the. I'm sure you're familiar with the rights to Ricky Sanchez that podcast. Uh, yeah, in Philly, mm-hmm. they brought in one of the hosts, the the guy that's not Spike Eskin, um, uh, Michael Levine, that guy, right? Yes. Uh, I, I actually just listening to that podcast as well yesterday. There we I, go. I, I love I love the Ringer NBA podcast. I think they're they're great. I've I, uh, I've been listening to them for a little over a, probably two months now, and I, I've listened to all of them and. and I feel so much more knowledgeable about the NBA after listening to those things. Yeah, they're great. They're great. It's the radio that you wish was on all the time, but it's um, yeah. <laughs> it's only available for an hour a day. Um, but yeah, so so they had they had Michael Evan on there, and I was I mean, I knew that the process and that camp of of folks in Philly who who have have endured and were patient throughout throughout the whole thing and the hinky hinky truthers and you know hinky died for our sins the, that group of people i knew that they were a little a little tribalistic but i got a good taste of it there uh with michael levin of of just kind of the vindication of how well this is going now and how how badly uh, the desire for for people who were fans of the process and and wanted the tanking or understood the tanking from from the get go to go back and now spit in the faces of of the people who who were naysayers and are still naysayers. Where were you kind of if you were to draw like a, a line graph of your your process buy in over time? What would it look like? Is it like a, just a, a constant plateau right at the top, or were there some were there some craters and there were some peaks as well? I have to be honest with you, and this is probably not the best platform to be being honest on, but uh, I can censor it. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I actually I haven't been a Sixers fan. Like I, my Sixers fandom has kind of stretched where I grew up a Sixers fan from the start, but then my my family kind of got me in. My I have a lot of family up in New England. I have a lot of uh, my grandfather is a is a big. Uh, New England sports fan and mm-hmm. and uh, took me to the basketball Hall of Fame when I was like 12. Uh, taught me about Rit Auerbach, talk, talk, uh, Bob Cousy, Larry Bird, all that stuff. Uh, and I I wasn't a huge NBA fan up until like two years ago. Um, so I wasn't really a huge NBA fan. I didn't really consider myself a huge Celtics fan, but I definitely followed them more than I followed any other team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started covering the Sixers. I went to a game before I started covering the Sixers with my friend. We saw the last year or two years ago, they played the, the Cavs and Embiid had that block on LeBron that was actually goaltending. And uh, that, and then they started training trust the process. I bought into it, and I was like, I've been a Philly fan of other sports my entire life. I liked Iverson. I was a big Iverson fan growing up. Uh, and then I kind of brought myself back into it. So I have to be honest here. I did not suffer through those years of of terribleness. Uh, as but uh, but I do think that uh, you know, I, I think as I've been kind of. Sub- submerging myself in the environment of the Sixers like fandom and, and all that stuff and, and hearing what other people who have endured it and interacting with people that have endured the, the process um, it, it's kind of given me like a a sense of like I, I feel you like I, I feel you especially from this whole you know Philadelphia sports nature where all of our teams have struggled at one point or another right uh, where 
you know, you know, the Eagles have gone through, uh, uh, you know, periods of time where they were awful. Uh, you know, the, the, the Phillies, of course, I mean, the last, you know, six years haven't been a walk in the park. Um, and you know, the flyers have had their issues as well. So I, I totally get that. I totally understand that my teams would never win championships. Uh, any teams I ever root for, they don't win championships until the Eagles won the Super Bowl this year. So, um, you know, I, I, I would say though, I, the process, I, I think Hinky, what Hinky did, I think it was great. I, I, I totally trust the process. I, I think that it, it was a great thing because now they're seeing the fruits of the process. They're seeing what happened uh, when you lose all those games. You may have lost games for five years, but the fruits of the process are Embiid and Simmons and, and winning 51 games and getting mm-hmm. the possibly the number three seed in the Eastern Conference and having a legitimate shot to get to the NBA Finals this season. I know I'm gonna, it sounds crazy, but it's not that crazy <laughs> considering everything that's went down in the East this year. Right. The Sixers have a legitimate shot of getting to the NBA Finals this season. Yeah. And that's that's. Um, unbelievable to say that right we're, we're talking about a team that their over under was around 40 wins this season it was kind of the the consensus goal was you know see what you have with Simmons try and make the playoffs you know keep Embiid healthy avoid a catastrophic injury and the expectations have just just blown the hell up from there um so kind of from a, a the, the way you were talking about like the the validation of the of the process and and you know seeing Simmons and Embiid pay off and the 51 wins it kind of feels it's hard to draw the line because obviously Sam Hinkie's not any, there anymore. Brian Kilangelo took over um, from a basketball operations standpoint. It kind of is hard to discern whether Markel Fultz is a part of the process or not. It kind of feels mm-hmm. as if he is because it was kind of the cash in uh, of a lot of the big pieces the Sixers had acquired. Still some left over, but um, it, that's what Markel Fultz's return over the last nine games has made me think of is it just kind of, you know, the, the numbers aren't great. He's not really blowing the world up. It's He's fun to watch, but, um, you know, it's not like you're getting number one pick stats out of him quite yet. But it's just kind of this idea of, like, organizational validation that things things the Sixers are doing as an organization are working out. Yeah. Um, and I think with Fultz, it's interesting because, like, yeah, he is the number one pick, and he but he only has, you know, 14 games under his belt for at the beginning of the year in the last 10 um, you know, and, and you want to see the production out of him right away. Obviously, he's the number one draft pick. Um, but with Simmons, it was like he was out for the whole year last year uh, with the injury. We didn't know what it was. He was the number one pick, but he he didn't play. And then this year, you know, he started off slow. Um, then he kind of worked his way up because he was learning the game uh, at, a, uh, at a, a professional level. And I feel like with Fultz, that's where we're at. You know, mm-hmm. his, his numbers aren't flashy. His, he's not really doing anything that's really amazing you. I mean, he has a few moments where he'll, uh, you know, have a posterizing dunk or a, um, you know, a, a, a nice pass to a uh, Robert Covington or J.J. Redick out, out on the wing. But other than that, I mean, he's not really doing anything that's a whole lot to write home about. But I would say that I, I think it's coming. I really do. I, I think that we're going to see him start to get more comfortable because – I don't think it's hard to judge somebody like right now when he only has, you know, two weeks worth of games under his belt, like as so as how young he is as well. You know, Simmons, he became 
I, I would say probably one of the best players in the league in the second half of the season in terms of his production and and you know you know he was player of the week last week and he's most likely going to be rookie of the year hopefully uh, I know there's that debate with Donovan Mitchell but you know I I think that with Fultz we're not seeing it right now but I think once we see the playoffs start up and we see him get more of a role in the playoffs I think we're going to see him start to be the reason why they drafted him number one the reason why he's part of the process mm-hmm. um, because eventually you know they're going to want to put Fultz in the starting lineup it's not right now but you know I think next year they're going to have to assess uh, you know is Fultz going to be a part of this starting lineup because he's going to probably start to work on his uh, jump shot and his three-point shot in the offseason as well as Simmons too. So uh, you're going to have to work those two in together. And we've seen Fultz and Simmons play a lot together uh, a couple times in the last couple games and it's looked pretty good. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's it's a big piece and they're both so talented um, that you know without a, a jump shot at this point, uh, but it is odd knowing that that Fultz in the in the nine games he's been back has only taken one three, whereas at Washington he was shooting five a game uh, and shooting them well at a forty percent clip. And so you know if you figure Fultz is healthy enough to play and to still you know be shooting free throws and 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 mid range jump shots, um, that you you wonder about what what else in between health and uh, kind of the the you know inside of the skull is causing the the lack of threes getting taken at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but n- now is not really the time to to do this kind of trial factory. They don't really have to do that um, when he's literally just Simmons' backup at this point. Yeah, and I think the last couple of weeks probably was that time for him to try it out. These last couple of games, you know, maybe take a three, see how it feels. Uh, but now as we're getting into the playoffs, like this is when it matters. I mean, the last two weeks have mattered for the Sixers, like for other teams in other years, it would be like the last, if they're, if you lock up a playoff spot, the last couple of weeks are kind of like that, that time where you rest your starters for the playoffs. You're not really worried about anything, but in this like playoffs with the seating, the way it is like, like one, one loss can affect you in terms of where you're seated. So mm-hmm. it's like. So like for the Sixers, like they needed to play everybody every game in order to be successful for like to, to put them in the best position to su- succeed in the postseason. So for for Fultz to, you know, I, I think that they did what he, he needed. He did what he needed to do to like kind of test the waters. Uh, but, you know, now the playoffs are starting up. We're not going to see him being experimental with the ball. We're not going to see Brett Brown being like, all right, Fultz, like, Markel, you're going to go out there and you're going to, you know, take all this time you want and and we're going to see how it goes. Like, no, this is this is go time now. So, right, right. It would have been in theory, like if he had been playing the entire season, that's where the, the kind of the fantasy factor would have happened. To yeah. See, yep. You know, if he mm-hmm. stayed healthy the whole time or avoided the yips or whatever. Um, but. Yeah, so so a big thing of, of going forward with the Sixers is figuring that out, and it's it's kind of been presented as a binary of like you know Fultz has to figure out the jump shot, but you you said you said it there of Simmons has to as well. I mean if 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 neither of them if neither of them is capable of eventually being just a knockdown shooter, but they're both passable, then it's kind of the same effect as if it was like yeah. a one or the other situation. So uh, definitely a thing to keep uh, looking at going forward is is how the the jump shot uh, comes together for Fultz or for Simmons. In this 15-game win streak, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that uh, mm-hmm. it's not that impressive. Go for it. 
in <laughs> in that, let's look at the teams that that were beat. And again, this is you know I'm just putting on the horns here, and there's yeah there might be a little tale that goes with it. Go here, for but, it, man. Uh, you beat the Knicks twice. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. one of which you said was a struggle. Uh, the Nets twice, the Hornets twice, the Hawks twice. Um, these are all you know bottom of bottom of the Eastern Conference teams. I mm-hmm. uh, beat the Mavs, which you were there to witness. The Orlando Magic, same thing as what I was just mentioning, and then the Memphis Grizzlies. So that's uh, you know that's eleven of the fifteen games right there. You got the Wolves and Nuggets at home. Uh, one of those teams is more than likely not making the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I'm pumped for that game. <laughs> that's going to be a good one, concurrent with the uh, with the uh, uh, yeah the Sixers Bucks game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, go to Detroit, which I guess is okay, um, and win there. And then you beat Cleveland, which that game was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a, a Larry Nance tip in away from being a different type of game. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, in, in in those 15 games, you know, there's three quality wins, and I mean, hey, that might be just be a testament to the NBA of of you know, there's only, only only you know so many good teams in the league that out of 15 games you're not going to play all of them. Um, but it does that cause concern of of saying like you know you're going to kind of get this. Uh, it's going to create and inflate expectations heading into the playoffs that might not be true of the actual team. What do you say to that? Um, you know, I I think the schedule definitely. I would probably say that I would rather have played a lot better teams than that but I would also say that a win's a win um and I don't want to sound like a broken record but I think that like being on any kind of win streak is impressive like like I I wouldn't discount I I think winning 15 straight games is you know the longest in the NBA right now but it is like that that's impressive it doesn't really matter at that point like who you played I mean I think it does in terms of getting to the playoffs but once they played the Cavs and they beat the Cavs and the way they beat the way they were beating the Cavs early on in the game until LeBron took over in the second half like that kind of showed me that this team is like for real in the playoffs like without Embiid without Embiid without exactly yeah exactly without Embiid uh the 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 fact that they beat the Cavs and they were up by 30 points at one point at in the first half without Joel Embiid is unreal because the Cavs while they're not, I, I've, I've been saying it all year. I think the Cavs without, uh, I, I think this is the worst Cavs team LeBron has been on since he uh, was, you know, the, the only guy back before he went to Miami. I think this is like, like, and before that too, like when he was, you know, he has Kevin Love and stuff now, but I think that like this is probably one of the worst teams he's been on. Um, and I think that, you know, with the Sixers, they they had a good streak, and you know we're gonna know for sure, especially like if they play, they're playing the Bucks tonight. If they beat the Bucks and the uh, and other teams lose, I think they would still play the Bucks on um, on Saturday, like in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be a great series. But we're gonna see. You know, I, I think being on a streak and 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 winning these games, you know just that having that winning mentality is going to help them and it doesn't really matter who you're playing if that really just kind of brings your you know elevate elevates your mentality going into the playoffs going further yeah i mean i quickly after i said that i threw the devil horns off and and i i couldn't pretend any longer there's no way that you can argue that a 15 game win streak is is inherently a bad thing um i mean you can poke holes in it but the reality is as a part of the Sixers' development, if you consider this year as 
um, you're already ahead of schedule. This is the type of thing you mm-hmm. want to see. You want you want to have large winning streaks. You want to build a culture of of you know our best player can get hurt and we can still win eight in a row after that, um, including beating you know either the the second or third or you know maybe even first most likely team to win the the NBA championship this year. Um, yeah. I mean, this is what just good teams do. Good teams beat bad teams and beat them handily, as the Sixers have done. So there, there's no there's no ounce of of truth in what I was thinking there of of a 15 game win streak being being you know deleterious to to the Sixers' chances going forward. Um, you know, it's just the idea of there yeah. are there's bad teams in the schedule. You got to beat them. That's that's just kind of yeah. I mean, how it works. It's- if they would have lost to any of those teams, like this would be kind of a different conversation. We'd because we'd be saying, well, they lost to the Hawks. You know, they they, they aren't that, you know, they, they broke the winning streak. Like, it's good that they won those games because they won those games. I, I, if they lost any of those games, we'd probably be thinking a little bit worse about the Sixers and their chances and and not, you know, now they've, they've kind of shut it up because now they've won 15 straight. And even if they lose to Milwaukee tonight, which I, I really hope they don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully when you, when you, everyone that's listening to this tomorrow... Uh, is listening to a positive uh, or knows in their hearts that the Sixers won the night before because uh, I, I, I it'd be hard to lose that game and then you know the Cavs play the Knicks tonight as well and like I, I think that's a pretty shoe in game I think the Cavs are going to win that game handedly uh, which means the Cavs would be the three and the the Sixers would be the four so it'd be a whole different story there but um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's uh it's it's one of those things where where you're looking at them as a, as just kind of you know one of these narratives that the the great young teams in history that have that have you know ultimately come over and climbed the hump over the other types of teams. So right now the Sixers, you know, there, there's a couple couple you know cornerstone franchises that they have to get past, and just kind of in all these great narratives, you think about the Bad Boys Pistons and what they had to do of just kind of taking their lumps, and there's just these these stages along the way. And if you if you if you believe that. Philly's not going to win the championship this year, but it is coming. It's a big part of that development. So interesting to see uh, how they play out and kind of that playoff scenario of, okay, well now part of that checklist of becoming a great NBA team and a championship team is now you got to win with expectations. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, you got, you got to win as the favorite uh, in a, in a round one series where there's a talented, you know, team. We're thinking about Milwaukee here, but even if it's not Milwaukee, um, you know it's it's Indiana, it's it's Miami, you know a well coached team, or it's Washington with two two great guys in Beal and Wall. Mm-hmm. So uh, it will be interesting regardless. Want to talk about a couple guys on the Sixers that have just been huge. The 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 guy uh, you know on on the Ringer NBA show that that seg- same segment that they were talking about the Sixers. Um, all they had to say about Dario Saric was just he's great. Be, and not because they're they're not informed guys that don't know how to you know don't know what they're talking about about the Sixers you know they're huge Sixers fans in that in that segment, it's just that there's so many other things to talk about with the Sixers. There's Embiid, there's Simmons, there's Fultz, uh, but Dario Saric has just been huge this year um, mm-hmm. in terms of he was basically trying to do what Simmons was do is doing th- this year in terms of you know being the point forward and holding the ball in his hands. Um, and once Simmons comes in, you know he can't do that anymore. It's just not going to fly. And so everything he had to do, he did. Last year, 25% usage rate, basically saying one out of four possessions are yours, Dario. This year, it's now more like 20%, so it's one out of five possessions are yours. Taking a mm-hmm. backseat from there. Last year, he was a 31% shooter. This year, he's a 39% shooter from three because mm-hmm. now you're going to have the ball less, so you got to shoot shoot better and shoot more from three. 
as he has done as well. Um, I mean, he, he has just been a perfect example of, of a team with a plan and an ability to, to kind of, you know, make talent work um, and not just say, oh, crap, we have this positional redundancy and now Dario Saric doesn't have a role. Yeah, yeah, I've, Dario has been amazing. Um, and, and in my opinion, from probably from January on and really from like December on as well, I would probably say that Dario is the reason why the Sixers are as successful as they are. Uh, I mean, Simmons really turned it on in the last two or three months. But, you know, before that, I think Dario really has been the big person, uh, you know, especially with Fultz, uh, his injury and him not playing. Sarge kind of took those minutes and became part of the starting lineup. And before, uh, before the season started, Sarge was the sixth man. Um, he wasn't really playing a whole lot. You know, he played a lot, but he wasn't starting. And I think him in the starting lineup is a no-brainer now. Like, now you can't have the starting lineup without Dario anymore because now you have Ben Simmons playing the point, and you know that the four is definitely going to be Dario when he's healthy. So uh, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit tough for Dario because he had that elbow cellul- uh, cellulitis injury that he suffered against the Knicks. Um a uh, couple uh, the same game that Embiid uh, broke his face basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sar uh, Sarge he had the el- he dove he made a great play on uh, with Cantor and he dove for the ball tipped it out to Simmons Simmons went uh, in the open floor for the dunk uh, but he suffered this elbow like rash and uh, it's definitely affected him the last couple games he hasn't really been shooting that well at all uh, and then uh, he had a play against. Um, um, Atlanta uh, on Tuesday uh, where he, uh, he uh, broke a tooth and um, he went to the dentist this morning so uh, he's been uh, really active and getting hurt and stuff but um, you know for the most of the season Dario has been in my opinion if I had to pick a team MVP for the for the whole season I would probably have to put Dario up there for sure yeah there's a fair amount of just kind of that, that consummate glue guy in his game um, that has has kind of when you have so many so many variable pieces between you know Joel Embiid not necessarily playing every game Simmons's learning curve Fultz's injury all these missing things you kind of need a guy like like Sarge to kind of to throw that together yeah. um, I think he is I think he is Hinky's greatest coup personally um, mm-hmm. he he all he had to do to get and you know the, the ringer guys talked about this but all he had to do to get Sarich was convince Orlando, another just devastatingly bad franchise, to to trade up two picks <laughs> so that they could take Alfred Payton. Um, and all, I mean, they were never going to take Alfred Payton. They already had Michael Carter Williams at the time. In that trade, uh, Orlando also threw in the pick that became Willie Hernan Gomez, which Philly then flipped to get two 2020, 2020 and twenty twenty one second round picks. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the tentacles of the tentacles of that, that awful move, uh, that from Orlando or Hinky's great move will be felt for, for a very long time. Um, so just another example of, of, you know, a guy that yeah. I remember when people were like, hey, you know, who knows if, if Sarge is even going to come over because the, the Sixers, oh, yeah. the Sixers culture is so bad and they're going to run out his contract before he even starts playing in Philly. Um, so, you know, just, I can't imagine to see all these things that that you know these kind of pessimistic uh, theories from from a couple mm-hmm. years ago or even just a year ago that have now yeah. now dissipated you know Embiid's health 
Sarge, his you know presence in America, uh, you know Markel Fultz's health and, and ability to play, Ben Simmons's like lack of shooting, um, you know mm-hmm. all these Ben Simmons's lack of winning at LSU, like all these things that were stacked against the Sixers, and that were narratives that you could have bought into I don't know six months ago that are now now busted. Um, it's just yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and with Dario as well, um, I, I think that you know kind of rules out the whole. Th- thing like the Sixers like a year ago even after his like possible rookie of the year thing and like almost winning rookie of the year mm-hmm. um and then kind of going into the offseason like Dario wasn't really off the trading block like the Sixers had like it, it was kind of speculation but the six like there was this speculation there were these rumors going around that the Sixers were thinking about maybe moving Saric to go to Boston for uh like um picks or whatever um or even like there were talks like when Kyrie was about to get traded they were like well maybe what what you know what would it take to get him to go to come to Philly and all this stuff like like Dario like Dario has always been the guy where they're they've been saying oh well just include uh Sarsh in a trade and with a couple of draft picks and see what we can get like now like if you even come close to putting Sarge in a trade like you'd be crazy because he's so important to this team he's he's untradeable at this point he's such a big part of this team big part of the defense big part of the offense Mm -hmm. um and he plays so well with the other guys and the 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 best thing about Dario and I love this ever since he came over for the first time and he knew that he was playing like he said that he's he's like I had to come over because I, I I just you know I want like I have so much loyalty to Philly because they drafted me, they believed in me, and that's why I need to come over now. Like he could have, he could have stayed over in um, uh, in at, Croatia, uh, in well, Croatia yeah. or uh, in Turkey. I think he was playing at, sure, or, yeah. or at the time. Um, he could have stayed over there for another year, but he decided that he wanted to play in Philly because he 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 owed it to the fans to be there to play for them and to be successful. So I, I love that about him. I, I think he embodies Philadelphia so perfectly. I think he is the gr- he's gritty, he's tough, and that is what, you know, the Philly fans, Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia is built upon. They're built upon that gritty, tough blue collar kind of kind of thing. And and that's what he is. And I think that's so important. And that's why he's just not touch he can't be touched in mm-hmm. terms of being trade bait for any team. Yeah, uh, and just just the young core of I mean they, they still the the Sixers have have Simmons, Fultz, and Saric all, you know, kind of in, in that Carson Wentz mode of you know high draft picks that are going to be cheap for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have all three of those guys at least locked up for three years on the cheap. In addition to to paying uh, Joel Embiid a lot of of very well deserved money for the next <laughs> next few years, he'll be making yeah, 30, he's, 30 uh, mil <laughs> very he's uh, he's. He, He'll be a uh, he'll be comfortable. I think it was funny. I think the All Star game came around this year, and Embiid was an All Star finally. Uh, after he maybe should have won got it last year, but with the thirty one games, it was kind of out of the question. But this year, he finally was an All Star. They were looking at salaries about these players, and it was just really funny to see like you know the LeBrons of the world getting paid all the the, the millions that they are, and then you're looking at Embiid, and he's still he's still on his last year of his rookie contract, and he's getting paid like four million or something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then next year we're gonna see him get paid like thirty million. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those days will be over very soon. Yes. Um, so yeah, that kind of leads to the to the next part of this. I mean, we could go on and on. Like like we didn't even mention Bob Covington's name, uh, but he's just mm. ph- he's phenomenal to watch. Uh, oh, he's Mark- playing great now. Yeah, after after struggling for about 
five months. He's every, finally come around. Every once in a while, he'll put up the stat line where he goes like three of twenty-one, and you're like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> yeah. uh, but but he is still just such a valuable part of that team for for all for defensive purposes and oh, yeah. um, and just to have a guy that can that can hit threes on the floor at all times is huge. Um, I, I love Rashawn Holmes. Marco Bellinelli has been mm. just. I was looking at the percentages, and and I, I was expecting this number to be greater of the difference in his three point percentage versus Jared Bayless because that's essentially the guy's mm. the the role he took, and it's not that different, mm-hmm. but it just feels different. Am I crazy there that that Bellinelli's a much better shooter than Bayless is? Oh, you are by far not crazy at all. <laughs> uh, we don't we we don't like Jared Bayless in Philadelphia. I think most Philadelphia fans. Are I mostly people have just forgotten about him because he hasn't played in three months so at all like he hasn't played garbage time minutes he hasn't played anything he sits on the bench and rots there pretty much like I thought he was hurt he was hurt originally and that's why he doesn't play but like he's not hurt now and he just pretty much sits on the bench the entire time so right next to Bright Brown <laughs> there we go there we go uh, yeah I mean Bayless was brought in as kind of this 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 hope of of that's the guy you want this kind of like you know, uh, kind of the mirror of the opposite side of the court of what you have with Redick of just a knockdown shooter. Uh, it's not close. You're right. He hasn't played since February 6th. Um, so he's just been celebrating the Super Bowl. I think that, that that's a clear, oh, yeah. a clear totally. line of, of where Jared Bayless has been. Bellinelli's uh, great, though, man. I, I really like Bellinelli a lot. Um, he isn't the greatest defender in the world. I think he showed <laughs> that against LeBron and the Cavs that he just can't defend very well. But when they need bench guys to shoot, you know, they got it. I mean, the Sixers, before they got Yersan Ilyasova, which we'll probably get to, and Bellinelli, they were one of the worst benches in the league, if yep. not the worst bench in the league by but, far, like stats-wise, like everything. Yep. Rating-wise, terrible. But once they got those guys, they've kind of turned the corner where, you know, Bellinelli is going to be most games now, last like week or so, he's been, or week or two, he's been like, the second leading scorer on the team in terms of you know points per game like i think a lot there's games where he has 19 points there's games where he has 18 points off the mm-hmm. bench uh where he's like you know four of nine from three or something like that and you need that and sometimes there's been times where he's taking a three and then you know 20 seconds later they'll get him the ball he'll take another three and then he'll he'll drill it and then you know he'll heat check and he'll, he'll take another one he'll miss it but he, he's just on fire so uh, really good pickup and that wasn't even, that was a buyout deal yep. you know that was not even a, a trade or anything he didn't the Sixers didn't have to give up anything for him so. yeah the Atlanta Hawks provided provided the Sixers with with two pieces of just high very high kind of overqualified um, depth fodder for for basically nothing in the buyout contracts um, sell off at the at the middle of the season there. Um, just kind of the way the way it works, but hey, again, organizational validity of of just doing things right. You know exactly what you need. You know those guys are cheap. You go out and get them, uh, just as Cleveland has done in the last few years. Um, but yeah, Ilyasova has been huge. I mean, he's averaging double figure scoring coming off the bench. You just they're they're the Sixers starting five was huge all season. But adding those two guys, where you know as soon as one of your your key guys comes off and and has to sit, you know you're not you're not there's no trade-off there. If Redick has to mm. sit, you bring Bellinelli off, and you have another knockdown guy, and that that same system still still flows. So, uh, yeah, they, they are set up very well, and that that's what makes them a, a deadly playoff team. Which I, you know, we I, like you said, we'll probably. I wish we could spend more time talking about Leosova and all these guys that have have really fun games for the Sixers. But what are your realistic playoff expectations? You know, the, kind of the the first round opponent 
TBA. It could be any of the four teams we mentioned. Um, more than likely Milwaukee. But what 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 is what is playoff expectations? Because I think if I would have asked you two months ago, you would have said you know let's let's win a playoff series. But I think I think those have changed drastically after the 15 game win streak. Yeah, my mentality has pretty much changed. I actually just wrote an article on uh, Sports Talk Philly uh, yesterday. Out of the whim, I was like, I need to write an article. I haven't written one in a while. I haven't written like a like an opinion piece in a while, and I finally did. And I basically said, you know, this is why I think the Sixers have a chance to contend for a title this year, which is kind of crazy to think about, like I said before. Uh, but I think they can get out of the East if they if the cards fall in the right places. Like if they get if all the cards are right, I think they have a chance to get out of the East and to the finals. But, um, you know, I think that this first round playoff series is going to be huge. Um, no teams are any that are any cupcake teams or no under 500 teams in the playoffs this year um which is crazy to think about i like, know it's I didn't, it's crazy didn't recognize the east anymore if there's not the yeah it's the, like the 38 win team at the eight seed yeah there's none of that this year this it's actually awesome and this is exactly like what fans have been wanting for so long it's like they finally want competitive teams and they got them I and mean, there's definitely competitive teams um i think the sixers can beat uh, any of the three teams that they could possibly play in the first round if they beat the Bucks on Wednesday or tonight. Um, I think they could beat any of those teams. And I think that, you know, going into the second round as the three seed is so much more important than being the four seed because if you're the four seed, you go to the second round, you play Toronto, um, you know, assuming Toronto wins. And then if you're the three seed, you could play Boston in the second round assuming that they make it to the second round. Yeah, Boston, Boston or, or Miami. If, if Boston's too right. shelled to, or in, too you're injury right. ravaged, then, then you're playing a team like Miami. With no Kyrie Irving, like that is so huge. And I, I, I really think that the Sixers can beat it, beat this. I think any team could beat the Celtics with that right now. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the Celtics just are not as good as, you know, they've had the injuries to everybody pretty much. Everyone's been hurt. Marcus Smart's out with the uh, torn UCL that he had. He's probably going to be out for six to eight weeks. They're saying that he he might, if, you know, if they get to the finals, maybe he'll play. But, you know, I doubt they're going to get to the finals. Um, but I think if, if you're looking at all the teams in the East, like, there's really no team that you're like, oh, they're definitely going to go to the finals this year. Like, not even the Cavs. Even though they have LeBron, which is a huge X factor, I think that's going to be the big reason why they're not the favorite right now. But once you start to get him going in the playoffs, like, it's going to be big. But even with, you know, LeBron and the Cavs, like, if they're a four seed, they play Indiana. And Oladipo has been huge this year. And the, the Pacers have been a sneaky good team. So, um, you know, that might be a tough series for LeBron. Um, you know, for a guy that rarely ever loses in the first round. So, um, you know, for the Sixers, I, I think that the realistic thing is for them to get out of the first round. I think they're going to get it out of the first round for sure. Um, but, you know, it all depends on Embiid. You know, is Embiid going to play? My, my feeling kind of changed when he got hurt because I was like, well, if Embiid can't play the playoffs, they can't win a first-round playoff series. Mm-hmm. But now that they've won eight straight and they beat the Cavs without him, it's kind of showing that, you know, they have a chance to win in the first round without him. But, you know, how long? Like, can they can they sustain that without Embiid? I don't know. And I, I think that's why it's so important for him to come back. 
Yeah, it would be. It, it's important, I think, to get to a point where where you have Joel Embiid healthy and in a playoff game, um, in, in, a, in a full series. I think would be would be good exposure. Obviously, you're going to get a full playoff series for for Simmons and for Fultz and for you know Covington and all these guys that have never played in one. Um, but getting Embiid, whether that's he sits out the entire first series or just the just the first couple of games of the Milwaukee series or whatever it ends up being, uh, yeah. just getting getting everyone run and getting them that realistic. Um, you know, true true taste of, of of competitive playoff play. That that potential Celtics series, I think that is a big series for Brett Brown because if he mm-hmm. if he can obviously walk into that series, you know, hypothetically, you know, you're going four games in Boston, and you say, look, we probably have the top two you know, most talented players in this series by far with, with Embiid and Simmons, if Embiid's healthy again, um, you know, we, we could just out talent Boston and th- like, we, we just have, we just have more than they do by a lot. I mean, they're, they're throwing yeah. just, you know, guys like Kadeem Allen out there just because they absolutely have to at this <laughs> point. Um, if you can walk in into Boston and, and not just like, like if, if the, the talent gap is so huge at this point, heading into that potential series, um, that a, that a loss in that series w- would be would be kind of devastating to to Brett Brown as a coach. And listen, like Brad Stevens is is a, a chess master, you know, the absolute best in the in the league. Um, but I think that that's that's Brett Brown's chance to kind of hang in that series and say like, look, I, I know uh, I'm not Brad Stevens tactically, but this is this this I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna squander this talent gap. Um, yeah. And and so seeing that happen would be would be huge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, you know, with with the Sixers playing the Celtics, like the other big thing for them is that they know the Celtics because they play them four times a year. Um, and even though I think a once couple of those games, yeah, once in London. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that game, the Sixers definitely should have won. Um, they had the game one. And this has been the story all season long until recently where the Sixers are just an awful, awful first half team. They're a great for or, or no, they're good. They're a good first half team. They're a terrible second half team. They're mm. they they have these moments where they are just the they're actually I think statistically they are one of the best first quarter teams in the league and one of the best and one of the best third quarter teams in the league or something like that. Uh, but they are just you know I, I think with the Celtics you know without Kyrie that's huge. Like I think that they they can definitely beat the Celtics in a seven game series without Kyrie Irving. Um, and if the Celtics play the Heat, like, you know, I, I, I think that they beat the Heat, but I think the Heat make it a challenge for them. You know, I, I don't mm. think the Celtics are as invincible as, uh, you know, as they looked at the beginning of the season without Kyrie. I think Kyrie puts them over the top. And when we found out that he's not playing in the playoffs, like that's huge for them. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think the Sixers have a, uh, you know, a pretty decent chance of, you know, with Embiid playing and and all that stuff, and and you know having that home court advantage in terms of you know being at home and 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 being in Philly, like I, I really can't see the Sixers losing any games in Philly for a while because I, I think that being at home is so important and they're so good at home <laughs> uh, this year. Um, you know, I think that's going to be really key for them advancing. But I I think the Sixers have a have a good shot of going to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And I think the People's Eastern Conference Finals, the the one everyone wants to see at this point, because you know, if if Boston had Kyrie and Hayward, this is a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 thing everyone wants to see is that is Cleveland 
and Philly. And I think that what we saw last Friday gave us a taste of that. And then seeing however that, that series plays out, if, if Cleveland wins, but by damn it, like Ben Simmons just looks amazing. It goes seven. Um, you know, that, that leads into an off season of, of man, LeBron can go and really put that team over if he, if he were to go to Philly or if Philly wins and then they lose in the in the in the the you know in the NBA finals then it's like well again what what is the last piece they need clearly he clearly the Cleveland team he's on isn't good enough he's got to move you know that that Philly merger would be would just be perfect mm-hmm. um, i think that 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 would be a great kind of NASA approved launching pad for the NBA offseason if if uh, if we got Philly and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference finals yeah, I mean that'd be huge. And with LeBron, you know, possibly coming to Philly next year, which is not out of the question. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there are people out there that really don't want LeBron at all. I don't really understand those people. Um, which, and I've been get get out of this world if like yeah, say that sentence like, out loud. I don't want LeBron. Yeah, that doesn't make it, any sense. Um, exactly. But I do understand the people that want to see this team win homegrown and not like bring anybody in like obviously like at you know when when the lebron the philly stuff was coming out they weren't the sixers were still like a you know a borderline seven seed eight seed um you know i was pretty much thinking like lebron would come and put this team in a in a shot where they'd be you know one or two or three next year or probably number one but um you know now you're seeing the sixers be a 50 possibly 52 win team and the third seed without lebron and it kind of makes you think like could this team do it without him like they do it without Embiid you know and, and they're and they're good and when Embiid's in there they, they, they're a really good team but you know I think that LeBron would put this team way over the top and I've been on the LeBron to Philly train all season long um, and I think that there's a really good shot of him coming here but there's also that chance that he doesn't you know mm-hmm. I think I, I was listening to the Ringer podcast today um, one of the podcasts on the way here uh, on the way to Bethlehem and they were talking about like LeBron and something that he said when they when someone asked him like like is he gonna like is there a chance he stays in Cleveland next year? I think he said like he didn't say yes, he didn't say no, he didn't say you know I, I want to be in the best position I can win. Like he said that it's up to my family, you know, it's up to where, what my family wants. And then they were talking about on the Ringer, they were talking about uh, some something that came out a while ago that his family was unhappy with him going to Cleveland in the first place. So it kind of right. shows it that not, like, would not have been their choice to go to yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. So if it's up to his family, then it's probably not going to be back in Cleveland. And I think that's pretty apparent at this point, unless the, the Cavs win the finals this year, which I don't see them having any chance to do. Uh, although you can't really count out LeBron. He can do crazy things and crazy moments. But, you know, I, I, I just don't see him going back to Cleveland next year. And I think, you know, of all the teams that make the most sense for him, it's Philly because they have the two young stars that he can, you know, fit himself around and, 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 and they, you know, have other pieces that are big, you know, with Sarich and Covington and all those guys that can really help out a team. You know, I think that for him to win a championship in the last years of his career is definitely going to be Philly out of, you know, a still rebuilding um, L.A. Lakers team. And, you know, the Rockets with, you know, can can Harden, Chris Paul and LeBron coexist at the same time? I don't know. Uh, but with, mm-hmm. you know, Philly, they're so young that it's so possible that LeBron just makes this his perfect fit. 
Yeah, I mean it's a ready-made situation. There's there's going to be thirty million dollars opening up uh, in Philly this summer between between Amir Johnson and, and JJ Redick. Uh, their contracts expiring, and and you know if you get if you catch wind yeah. as Cleveland did two summers ago, three summers ago that that LeBron might be interested, you make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. So so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and so and even if they don't sign LeBron, they have the money to sign anybody. Like sure. they exactly. they have they have enough space to make a max contract deal to somebody uh, to offer it to somebody like whether that be LeBron or whether they want to bring in Paul George next year or someone like that. Like that's a possibility. That's not out of the question. Like it doesn't have to be LeBron. Like it could be Paul George. And for some people, you know, Paul George might even be a better fit for the Sixers then LeBron because of that whole you know Ben Simmons ball handling thing like and and how is Simmons and LeBron going to play together when they're basically the same person um you know yeah. George S- Simmons be that LeBron kind of Fultz, there's there's a, there's a lot of dribbling that needs to happen and and you know between but all three of them can't coexist and there there's definitely a basketball argument against it it's just you know i i think the the Sixers are in a good fortunate position to kind of pivot either way if LeBron comes fantastic right <laughs> you make that work and obviously you you welcome it with open arms uh but that's that's the kind of the 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 glowing part yeah. of this franchise is that you know that that's they're not they're not dependent on that as as cleveland or or a Lakers yeah. franchise is and if the sixers do end up playing the Cavs in the eastern conference finals like what better way to recruit lebron to come if you take the Cavs to seven games in the eastern conference finals and this is like part of your pitch like like you're like it's so close to the offseason after the NBA finals where, you know, these two teams would be playing, going to seven games, the you know, the atmosphere at the Wells Fargo Center would be huge, especially because the Sixers would if it does go to seven games, the Sixers would host that seventh game if they're the three seed and the Cavs are the four. Um, and then you go into the offseason and you know, I'm just so pumped for seeing how the how the Sixers decide to pitch coming to Philly for LeBron like are they going to bring in the Eagles are gonna, are they going to bring in Carson Wentz are they going to bring in like all these you know big you know Rocky or someone like that to come in and and uh you know yeah, Sylvester Stallone but you know I don't know we'll see <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to we'll animate the statue <laughs> yeah they're going to yeah. animate this they're going to bring the real guy in so there we go uh yeah it's it's uh it's exciting for sure in a lot of different ways and and they also are going to have a lottery pick this year thanks to thanks to the, the Los yeah, Angeles yeah. Lakers so then yeah, no, that, that's just another piece piece to the puzzle uh Michael, boy man, Michael you Bridges are, man you are, that's what I want I exactly I just saw that one today on NBA DraftNet is is that Bridges at the 10th pick staying in Philly kind of the perfect swing man it's like oh my god just an embarrassment of riches um <laughs> bo- boiling in Philly with with potentially uh the grand LeBron yeah. prize coming as well um yeah. all right prediction time how does this season end for the Sixers uh well you know if I have to make my official prediction I'm I'm gonna have them oh man I I'm I'm gonna have them going I I I think they're gonna go to the East Finals I think that it's gonna be Cavs Sixers um and if you would have asked me like you said two months ago I would have I would have laughed uh thinking that the Sixers had a chance uh, this is the team that I predicted at the beginning of the season to have 40 wins I, I had them at a 40 and 42 record. And I really had them as either the eight or the nine missing the playoffs this year. I didn't think that this was the year. Uh, and boy, I am so happy to be proved wrong. 
52, possibly 52 wins. Uh, right now, 51. But I, I think they're going to go to the East Finals, and I think that's where it ends. I, I think they have a chance to go to the the NBA Finals, but I at this point, I can't bet against LeBron. I just can't. So I'm going to yeah, say East yeah, Finals think... for the Sixers. How many games? Um, you know, if we see a game like we saw on Friday, um, you know, I, I, it, and the, again, this all depends on if Embiid comes back and the, the kind of, uh, you know, impact that he makes, especially with playing with a mask. I don't know how that's going to be for him. Um, but you know, I think that I would probably say seven. I, I think it could go to seven, uh, maybe six. Um, you know, it's it all depends on Embiid. You know, if Embiid doesn't play at all or if he's you know very ineffective in his first couple of games like i'm going to be more uh you know confused about whether or not the sixers can get out of the second round so uh i mean you know i think they can get out of the first round for sure but uh, getting to the east finals with Embiid is is definitely not out of the question and you know a seven game series ending up in philly um you know i think that would be the dream for this team and um i'm, I'm probably being a little overly optimistic about the sixers but you know, I, I the way that season has gone and the way that the city has gone in terms of the Eagles and everything, like I'm, I'm not putting anything out of the question at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 becoming less and less crazy as, as we kind of boil down to, to who are the really good teams in the East. And, you know, Boston's not healthy. And, you know, outside of Toronto and Cleveland, it's, it, everything's kind yeah. of equal. So uh, we will see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for as kind of a, a Sixers I don't know, a neutral party, but, but an admirer of, of what they do uh, to see how this ends up, especially as it, as it has a giant implication for, for the rest of the league with, uh, with the potential LeBron incoming. I know you saw his Instagram slideshow of all the fun moments he was having at the Wells Fargo, right? Like that he knows exactly who's watching that and how many people are, yep. are freaking out about how, how smiley he was in all of those pictures. Oh, he does it on purpose for sure. I mean, and, and yeah. the question, the questions out there, like, like how do Cavs fans feel about this? Like they know that he's trying to woo teams like he, he's eating it right up. You know, when they ask him about the billboards and he's like, oh, oh, what do you mean? What do you what are you talking about? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're talking about the he's billboards, like, yeah, right? Yeah. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Great, great movie. Just saw it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He eats he, uh, it right up, and, exactly and the fans did. love it, and he knows it, and he he does it on purpose. And the way that he hugs Ben Simmons after a after a big loss, a playoff like loss, and he hugs Ben Simmons, and he talks up Joel Embiid after the game, like uh, I, you know, and and for all intents and purposes, like at the end of the year, he very well could just be like, nope, not going to Philly. You know that that's his personality. You know it's he he could be talking it up, being like, oh yeah yeah Philly, they they love me, I love being loved. But you know once free agency hits, like I would not be surprised if he just basically you know turns down Philly and be, be like, nope, not going there. You know so that's just LeBron and that's the way he is. He's the king. Yeah, we shall see. We he he sure is. He is the he is the league. I mean Jerry West is the logo, but he's he's kind of everything else behind it so, so yep. everything will, will will stop and wait for him to, to make his decision this summer um josh would be the first person i call if if uh if lebron does does decide to go blue red and white but um but thank you so one. much for, yeah. for doing this tonight uh good luck against the bucks we'll kind of we'll switch out the audio if we're playing against a different series um but uh but yeah it'd be interesting to see the absolutely thanks for having me on brandon